And we're here on the Brunette Conversation with career broadcaster Devin O'Day. Devin, how are you doing today? I'm doing just great. So glad it's finally starting to feel like fall and I have an excuse for pumpkin spice lattes again. <laughs> I tell you what, it's a great life, ain't it? I'm telling you what, it sure is. It sure is. So how's life been treating you since the craziness of the quarantine? You know, I, I have a little working sanctuary farm, and uh, I adopted a pig. And I don't usually – I never thought I'd like a pig, and I never wanted to get – I took a pig in during an emergency. A lot of COVID uh, response to having animals, people – who couldn't afford to pay for them or feed them or whatever, just let them go. I don't suggest doing that. I don't suggest doing that because someone has got to take care of them or whatever. So anyway, that's how Barney the Pig came to to me, and I've just laughed. He's my newest addition to Angel Horse Farm, and he is the funniest little thing I've ever seen in my life. He's a little pink pot-bellied pig. Oh and wow! He's out in my. Chi- he's out in, and they laughed because they told me they said, "Oh, he can't get up in that chicken house." And I said, "Oh, I bet he can." And they said, "Oh no, no, uh, you don't have a ramp or whatever." Well, sure enough, I went the next day, and there were the chickens up in their little nesting boxes, and there was Barney curled up <laughs> in the in the hay shavings at the bottom. So, <laughs> so, so I've been doing a lot fun. of farm work and getting my chickens all laying, and, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing doing during COVID. So has farming always been a hobby for you, or is this just something you picked up on the side? Or I grew up, my grandfather was a Baptist preacher who farmed 80 acres, and uh, he had soybeans and row crops, and my grandma took care of the row crops, and he took care of the soybeans and the cattle and the pigs and the chickens, and it was just part of something that, it's always been something that I've just, it feels like home to me. It just, it feels like home. And, and I, I go out and I said, you know, a lot of people spend a lot of money with a therapist. I go out and sit at the chicken house on the little, my little porch on the chicken house. And, uh, it makes me just, it just puts everything into perspective. You know, it just, it's so calming to me makes such a big difference in my life. I don't I don't know. It's just something I really enjoy. I think getting back to the land is always good for people. And a lot of people have returned to agriculture during COVID. People planted gardens and started canning this year for the first time in years. Yeah, so, you know, people know you as the TV and radio broadcaster. And I, I'll say this. I was listening to some of your interviews last night. I believe you were one of the greatest voices at WSM. So tell us a little bit about how you got into country radio. Thank you so much for asking me that. You know, my mother woke me up on the first day of my summer vacation when I was 16 years old, and she says, you're not going to sleep your life away. You're going to go get you a job. And I said, well, Mama, what am I going to do? She said, I don't care if you flip burgers or you go to that radio station. She said, you have got to get a job. So I went down to the radio station. They said, do you have any experience? I said, no. He said, but can you type? I said, 120 words a minute. And they needed people to type up advertising copy. And so, and then he said, well, 
do you think you could work tonight, overnight, and we'll teach you? And I said, yeah. The guy came in, and he said, here's your microphone, and here's how you cue up a record. I'm going to go smoke a cigarette, and then I'll be back. And he never came back. And that was my first night on the radio. And I've been on the radio ever since in some form or fashion. So who would you say, out of the years that you've been doing this, who would you say, out of all the artists that you've interviewed, who's been the most memorable? Oh, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash uh, scared me to death. Uh, He's just such a formidable He's a big man with a lot of uh, just uh, 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 his persona is just big. It's like the whole room. He walks out of the he would walk out of the highwayman bus and the with that big black coat on. I mean, it was just impressive, you know. But uh, he was really impressive, and I loved every second I ever got to spend with Charlie Daniels. Charlie Daniels. Uh, always acted like he knew you and you were his best buddy and it just been uh, a hardship that he hadn't gotten to see you lately it always i mean i go and how does he even remember me and remember stuff about our last conversation but charlie always did you know he and i he'd always asked me about horses that's the thing i think that the people who really take to heart even if it's one little detail about you and they learn it. It's it says you matter enough to me that I learned this about you. And he may not know much about he may not have known much about me, but he took the time to remember something about me. And that I always try to do that when I talk to people. Is 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 because Charlie made me feel so special. You know, Charlie was an incredible man of faith as well. And you know, we was talking a little bit earlier about country artists that show faith and we listed Carrie Underwood and Randy Travis. Who would be one to you that really showed their faith while interviewing them? Who there's so many, but um Daryl Worley um uh, is such a believer. Such a believer and he has just uh shared his faith so much and uh somebody else that really lived it in his day-to-day, and that is John Barry. John Barry had uh, a condition, uh, a, a brain aneurysm or a brain bleed, the same thing that took his father's life when he was in his 50s. And uh, watching he and Robin work through that and come through that and how they just live their lives every day is just a place of faith and how when John was told after that, that, oh, you can't, we don't want you to take your wife on tour with you. And he said, well, she's my backup singer. And, oh, we don't like that. And, you know, well, he said, no, my family stays with me. And to this day, his family is his band. His his son is his drummer. And keeping his family together and keeping that faith together. John Barry is one of those people. He just lives it every day. And, you know, I I believe that's what it's all about, faith, family, and country, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. if we can't stick to those three things, then what really are we standing for? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I really don't know any country artists 
that even the ones that carry the persona of being the wild and crazy people. Um, I, I, ta- I was talking with Hillary Williams, who is Hank Jr.'s daughter. Now, Hank Jr. is wild as a March Hare, as they would say, and and people all know this party animal kind of thing, but they don't realize what a, a loving father and what how much he loved his kids. And she said that she was in a, this terrible wreck and it almost took her life. It was a terrible, and she and her sister Holly were in it. And she said her her daddy never left. And she said he would just, he just spent the night and he just put his arms over the bed and just. She said I would wake and he'd be praying, and he'd be praying. And a lot of people don't realize that I saw the light was written by his daddy. You know, and so even in I always say that uh, the cracks in the vessel <laughs> are the places where the sunshine gets in. You know, those are the places uh, where Jesus can really shine in the, in the, in those vessels that have the, you know, the, the, the mar and the, the mistakes. So through your time at WSM, what would you say has been the most memorable experience for you? You know, one of my most memorable, and I mean, there again, there were a lot of them, but uh, Bobby Bear dropped in, and I was just so blown away because when I first came here, and I, I, I moved from Louisiana, where I'm from, went to New York, and then moved to Nashville, and I moved to Music Row, and there was a show that taped in a building right next to where I lived in a little apartment, uh, the studio taped Bobby Bear and Friends, which was a show on TNN. And I just, I loved Bobby Bear and I loved his music and he came in and he just talked. He just carried on a conversation and he said, Devin, I've always, always my whole life been homesick. You can hear it in all my songs. And you think about Detroit City and all of those songs of Bobby Bears, and they really are. There's a place of homesickness. And I said, isn't that truly the way every Christian feels? It's always, we all, we're, we're in the earth and we're here all walking on the earth, but all of us feel just a little bit homesick. Isn't that so true? I tell you what, in the craziness of this world going on right now, and you know, the other night I was sitting here watching the virtual ACM awards and it was very different. And you know, I, I got to thinking to myself, how does these artists encourage themselves during a time like this? It's been really hard. It's been really hard. And that's a question that I've been asking a lot of artists. I have one, CJ Solar and, uh, he is a great writer, and he has some really neat songs that are out right now. But uh, he's from my home state of Louisiana, and I said, CJ, what are you doing during COVID-19 to kind of keep your spirits up? And he said, my bandmates and I are making pickles. <laughs> Isn't that the funniest <laughs> thing? But people are finding 
just little things to do. And he said, we're making pickles and banana bread. He said, I'm telling you what, I've made more banana bread than I ever had in my whole life. He said, baking somehow helps my helps my mind settle down. Because I think it really, even for the people that don't talk about it much, I think that it's affected us all. I think it's affecting our psyche. and I think we have felt truly vulnerable for the first time in our lives. And, you know, I mean, at some point, even for me, it's been a point to ask myself, is this world going to turn back to normal at any time? You know, I mean, we hear that. I mean, I read an article just the other day that regular sized events won't happen again until 2022. And, you know, people don't think about the artists that they love to play on the radio. We still need to support them and buy their product and help them so that they can continue life on the road. I mean, it, it's a different situation. And I've talked to artists, and I know you have too, that have been on the road all of their life, and they've never experienced anything like this. Oh, it's been it's been really tough across the board. It's been really really tough for a lot of people, and. Uh, and it's not just for the artist because a lot of times the artist has a little bit of a nest egg set aside. But, you know, who doesn't have a nest egg set aside? More often than not, the side men, the crew members who put up the stages, the bus drivers. I mean, I don't Oh, yeah, I know plenty of bus drivers that have had to yeah. become truck drivers because uh-huh. they just can't make it. It's been so. awful for them. And I have a friend who has a, a bus and transit company, uh, to, and they make tour buses and stuff, and they're just hurting. And so what they've been trying to do is get people to go, and you can go and rent out. If you want to take a vacation, you can take a tour bus that belongs to one of the artists. Now, um, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> Doesn't it? That was, you know, if you had that, a group of guys that wanted to go, he said, well, we took one. He said, we wanted to go on a barbecue trip. He said, so this is a guy that owned the company. He said, is my dad, my brother, and a whole bunch of our friends, and we went down to Texas to eat barbecue. They furnished the driver. They furnished everything. They said we didn't have to stop. At a, we didn't have to stay in a hotel. We had everything right there. And they said it was more fun than we had ever experienced. That is amazing. I tell you, you know, and we all can find something to do during this time to help others. That's my main thing. What are we doing during this time that are helping others that are in need? Exactly right. I try to support the artists and go and buy their product and just help them get, get along a little bit more. You know? Exactly. And a lot of people don't realize even going online and buying a T-shirt or buying something, a sticker or something, anything like that from the people that you love. Now, I tell you, as as they closed down all the churches, it really hit a lot of my country gospel folks. Uh, I looked, you know, and I talked to, you know, Chris Golden is a dear friend of mine, William Lee Golden's son, and Chris has been, 
I mean, SGN Scoops right now, the magazine has, he has uh, a song in the top ten that's been there most of the year. Um, and But he said they closed down all the churches, and he said that's where, he said all my gigs canceled. He said it, it was going to be the best year I'd ever had, and every gig canceled. And, uh, wow. And, you know, and when churches close down, I have my, I tell you what, uh, don't get me started on that. Uh, when they close the churches, but they let people protest. Yeah. Go ahead. It really, it, it really just, it went on my last nerve. And if you go back to 1968 for a recording of Paul Harvey, and he said, if I were the devil, and one of the things, I mean, it's, it is chilling. And go back to YouTube. It's absolutely free to hear you. Die with the Devil by Paul Harvey. I think it goes back to 1968. And one of the things was I would close down all the churches and separate believers from each other. And I thought, my gosh, we're in that. There's something very, very evil that is going on in our world right now. And I see it affecting people in a way you know they always say that the, the devil doesn't come at you in a little red suit easy to spot and it, no 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 it comes in something that looks totally different than you would ever expect and you know it, it, it's hitting us all it's affecting us all and and i really just hope that eventually when we do come back to a normality that our music industry can survive. Yeah, it'll survive, and there's something about it's going to be different. You know, I think that we're getting used to seeing people virtually. We're getting used to things like maybe a drive-in concert or whatever. You know, I'm doing one. Um, there's a parking lot, and people are going to drive in, and they're going to tailgate or they're going to uh, sit in their cars and watch, and it's a concert. It's stories and songs, and Jeannie Seeley and I are doing it together. And I'm just talking to her, and she, we're going to play some of the part pieces up from her new record, American Classic. And, uh, and people will be in their cars, socially distanced, obviously, because they're in their own cars. But um, we're going to find a, a new way to do some things. You know, I mean, I'm watching artists, you know, create little special events on Zoom. And, for instance, they'll have a house party and an artist will be a part of it from virtually. You know, they'll set up a big TV in the, in the, <laughs> in the house or whatever and then everybody will gather around and there's that artist right there with him, and it's just there's something special about that, you know. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the name Jeannie Seeley. We had we had an honor not too long ago to interview her, and she just celebrated 53 years on the Grand Ole Opry. How amazing is that? I know, isn't it though? And still, just unbelievable and people had no idea she's had some real difficult times because you know Jean uh, her husband had a I believe it was a stroke 
and he had to, and what a strong man he is. I mean, he had to teach himself how to walk again, how to talk again, and Jeannie was right there, his main caretaker, and taking care of him and just never missing the Opry and, you know, and she just rolls with it. Just And I think she needs to be one of the next members of the Country Music Hall of Fame. I'm just saying. Everybody thinks she already is, and she's not. And, you know, one thing that always makes me smile when I think about her, she she talks about Christmas time in our interview, and she said one of the things that sticks out to her the most that was during Christmas time at the Grand Ole Opry, her and little Jimmy Dickens would be Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus. And she said, <laughs> just seeing the joy of Christmas on the people's faces, she said that always meant the world to her. So, you know, it's things like that, those kind of little nuggets that you can remember. And, I mean, I'm sure there's been artists along the way that's been on your show that have just shared things with you that you just sit there and like, wow. And, and you know, and it's a great thing to see that we're all helping each other. We're all building each other up and we're not tearing each other down. That's where it starts. It starts with, you know, uh, one of the things that I have always avoided was I don't do stories about people getting a divorce. I figure there's enough of that. Um, I don't do stories that tear down a person's psyche. If someone lost their record deal or um, something happened that didn't have a positive spin, um, you know, other than, you know, I mean, obviously you, you, you let somebody know if somebody's passed away and there's not a positive spin except that they've gone to heaven, which is a good spin, but you know what I mean. And, uh, but I, I've, I've always avoided the things that were judgmental or mean. You know, I had somebody, there was a really famous writer in the, in the national music industry and she's written a bunch of books and she's been in every magazine. She's, editor of a really famous magazine in Nashville right now. And I remember she says, I want to do a blog with you, and I want us to be the fashion police. And I want us to really tear people to shreds over what they're wearing. And I said, oh, that just sounds terrible. She said, why? And I said, well, first of all, then they could be in their rights to, by all rights, they could say, they could, I, I'd have to dress a certain way every day. And, I mean, I live in white T-shirts and jeans, you know. I mean, that's just kind of what I live in. And I, I I just don't – I think that's mean. And I don't want to do anything mean. And, you know, to me, that's just a type of really slandering a person's character. And, you know, we're supposed to build each other up. And if – I mean, even if it's just saying good day or hello to somebody and they smile – you know, it's that little act of kindness that we can do that goes a long way. Right. It just goes back to what your grandmama probably taught you. If you don't have something good to say about somebody, don't say it. That's what I live by. And if if somebody has somehow wronged me or in the music industry or if they've done something or whatever and it came about for me to 
share that story or whatever. You know what? Does it? I always say, does what I have to say, does it have a positive impact on my day, on other people's day, and on the world around me? And if it doesn't have a positive impact on somebody, if there's not something positive that can come from it, I just don't share it. I don't say it. I don't say it on Facebook, and I certainly don't say it on an interview or, or a radio show. And, you know, I've always said, want to watch the bad news, turn on the TV. This is a different show. This is the show that brings the good news. And, you know, right. whether it be in country music, whether it be in gospel music, whether it be in rock music, whatever it is, I want to share inspiring, encouraging stories that can help somebody along the way. Not not something that's going to, when people listen to this and say, man, that stinks, I can go home and watch the news and get better stuff than this. You know, that's, yep. that's not what we need to be focusing on. We need to be focusing on inspiring and encouraging others. You know, I got jumped on because I shared a story. I, I have been involved in saving children and saving young men and women from human trafficking for a very long time. It's just kind of my ministry, and I'm involved in something called Rest Stop Ministries. And Nicole C. Mullen and I were part of a big fundraiser last week, and we raised over $100,000 to help with the fight against human trafficking. Well, there was a story that came out of Georgia and then the next week out of Ohio that 39 children were found being trafficked, and they were found and rescued from a trailer in Georgia. Well, it turns out that it wasn't one trailer. It was they were found in the trailer and then several other places around that community. But people got more upset that I would repeat that story. And they said, well, it's wrong. I said, no, you're, you're focusing on the wrong part of the story. Okay, it wasn't one trailer. But 39 children were saved from being sex trafficked in our world. And the fact that you're more focused on the trailer than the children really bothers me. You know, we live in a world where we're so caught up in agenda and media and whatever that we miss the point that children and people uh, are going through some really hard, hard things in our world. And our good news is that we can get through it. That's our gospel. Our gospel says we can get through it, and we have a God that will take us there. And uh, But we have a responsibility to those who are given much. <laughs> much is required. Right. And, uh, and so I believe that we all have – we have a job to do in this world. It's not just to talk the talk, but it's to walk the walk. You know what I mean? That's it. And, you know, I was going to bring up your song – writing career and you've had a number one for George Strait which I think is an awesome song tell us a little bit about what inspires you to write a song you know most of my songs come from someplace in my heart but sometimes it's like that song the big one this is the big one I'm falling in love came from uh, Jerry House and I went to the ACMs um, and we were on a an airplane together. He and I did the morning show together, and we were going out getting the award for uh, the radio station of the year and the uh, radio show of the year. And we kept seeing these 
you know, waiting for the big one. And uh, then I got in the got seated on the plane. They hand me USA Today, and the front cover says "Waiting for the Big One." And Jerry said, "We got to write it. We just got to write it." And we did, and we got John Wesley Riles to sing the demo for it. And George Strait called me, and he and he was so funny. He was so tickled. He said, Devin, I'm going to cut the big one. And he got so tickled at himself because he thought he was really making a funny, funny joke. But <laughs> I'm sure glad he cut it. It's been on four of his projects. You know, it was on wow. the first one was lead on, and then it was on a greatest hits project, and then it was in the box, straight out of the box set. And then it was most recently on George Strait, number one, volume one. So I am really grateful to George Strait. So out of all of your songs that you've written and had different artists record, what would you say has been the most memorable artist that has recorded one of your songs? Well, George was pretty memorable. I mean, I'll say that, you know, and Leanne Womack, but uh, Dolly Parton putting her vocal on a song that I wrote, a song called Angels and Eagles, that meant the world to me. But a song that probably is the most important song I think I've written to date is a song called Let Them See You're Strong. And strong is a noun. And it's in a place, uh, it comes from a place that when you've been really, really hurt. Let people see what you're made of. Let them see you're strong. Uh, let them see your smile. When a tear might serve you better, the road is long, so let them see you're strong. And that's uh, a song that was recorded by an artist out of Canada named Tia McGrath. And I'm really, really proud of that song. It has been in all sorts of independent song competitions as uh, nominated for Song of the Year. It was nominated at the Posse Awards, which was the Positive Music Awards. It was nominated for Song of the Year there. And so I'm real proud of that because I like songs to have a meaning. And, you know, that that's what it's all about. Gloria Gaither was on my show not too long ago. And, you know, we was talking about the lyrics yeah. mm-hmm. of the song. And she was talking about how her and Bill was going through the COVID-19 crisis. And she was talking about, you know, them being on stage every night was a normality for them seeing hundreds of thousands of people to now seeing none. And she said, you know, it was nothing but a comma, like the punctuation. And she said, the sentence is your life. And every comma reflects upon an important event that has happened. And I said, wow. I said, I've never thought about it like that. And, you know, it it's the song that, the lyric of the song that reflects to the listener. Not just the music like we think, oh, we like this song because of the rhythm, but it's more the words that come from the heart that minister to the listener. And, you know, it's it's just one of those things. I can listen to a country song and say, man, I like that. Like, Brooks and Dunn had a song a long time ago called Believe. I love that song. Oh, yeah. And, you know, 
And, you know, it was just one of those things that when you hear that song and you think about a memory or something that's going on in your life, you're going to grab that song. And it's not because of the music behind the song. It's the lyrics that started the yeah. song. So, I mean, when she said that, I, I had to write that down. I, I, I said, oh, that's now that's good. wisdom. So, but you Gloria. also, go ahead. I'm sorry. Gloria is is just a master. But you just think about, she was brave enough. Now, a lot of people don't realize that, but a lot of the big Christian labels don't like you to use the name Jesus. They don't like you to use a lot of God. They want they want to talk about all about it, but they like it to kind of be a little bit sometimes watered down. Now, Southern Gospel is able to keep pretty true, but... When Gloria Gaither came out with, you know, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus, there's just something about that name. That was very landmark, and that really put, it, it literally held a standard. I mean, it put the flag in the ground that says, here's what we're going to do, and here's what we're going to So I've always respected Gloria for that, most of all. Or the great song, The Church Triumphant, that they wrote. That still stands true today. And, you know, I was telling her, if there was ever a gospel song in the history of gospel music that reflects on the era of today, that song would be the one. And, you know, it's because the church is not the building where we get stuck, stuck in sometimes. The church is the person. I can go out and share Jesus with somebody that don't know him, and they can get to know him right then. You know, that uh-huh. that's that's the purpose of the church. We get all torn down because, you know, the church buildings are closed and all that. But, you know, it's the people inside of the building that makes the church. So that's that's inspiring to me, you know. Absolutely, that we are the church without walls, and there are a lot of people, especially right now, and politics will get you away from your your testimony real quick. Um, I always say, you know, think about that last post or that last comment that you made on Facebook. Well, what if you walk out your door or what if you don't survive the night or whatever? Think about as you go back through your social media post, that's going to be your testimony. When people look back, they're going to go, what was their, you know, when somebody famous passes away, they say, what was their last post on Instagram or their last post on Facebook or their last thing that they did or their final words? And I always think, what will my testimony be? Will it be screaming at somebody uh, about the way they believe politically? Will it be something snarky that I leave that I say to somebody because I don't like the fact that they don't believe like I do? No, I try to always think about the, the big picture, and we're a walking testimony, just like you said. It's not the it's not what we do inside the walls of the church. It's what we do outside the walls of the church. And I will venture to say that more people 
have been turned away from the church by the people inside the church who've treated them unkindly than anything else. That that hurts our testimony more than anything. You know, there's that story. It came out a while back, but uh, the new pastor uh, had not been introduced to his church yet. So he dressed like a homeless man and and went and uh, kind of hung out at the church and tried to meet people. And he was dressed very obviously as a homeless man, and then he sat at the back, and then they introduced him as the new pastor, and he walked forward in the church. And everybody felt bad because they had treated him so unkindly. And I always say, that's now, whether that happened, whether that didn't, that doesn't I love the way that preaches. It's, we never know that we, like we, you know, that thing, this is really the only Bible that people ever read sometimes. That's I sure want to be, you know, I sure want to be the, the the right page in the Bible, that's for sure, for people. I try real hard, you know. And I, I was listening to your interview with Dolly Parton on your show, Nashville, today. What an inspiring interview. Thank you. I, Thank you. Dolly is real special to me. Dolly is a legend in country music. And, you know, I thought real hard about her when Kenny Rogers passed away. I was like, man, that was her friend. And, you know, I mean, they recorded many songs together. So share with us a little bit about how the interview went and some things that y'all talked about. Well, Dolly was real special. That day she had a a huge uh, group of people that were there uh, to, to, you know, do a round robin or a press conference or whatever. And at the end, they said, we have room for one interview. And Dolly said she'll meet with Devin. And everybody turned around and, you know, because, I mean, I had some credentials, but, I mean, I wasn't, you know, USA Today, and I wasn't, you know, like that. I mean, I was WSM, which was nice, but I just felt like she had been really kind by offering me that interview. Dolly has this presence, and she's otherworldly. You talked about people who, who she really has fully embraced her divine calling in this world. You know, when she did Chain Breaker and, you know, Give Me Jesus and some of those and He's Alive, she's chosen her platform to, no matter what song she had on the radio, if she gets to do a song in a big national platform, almost always her faith will shine through. And she glows from the inside out that she comes from that, that God light that she's got. I said, if you were an angel on earth, it's Dolly Parton. And she believes it. She's got a church on her property because she says, I can't always go to a church. You know, and she said, so everywhere I have, I have a little chapel where I can have a church meeting with my family or people. And that's where I have my church. And that is such a good thing. You know, there's many people that are shut inside their house and they they can't get outside the church. And what many don't realize is you can just go inside of your house and open up the Bible and you can worship right there where you are and have the same type of service that you can have in the church building. And that, oh, yeah. that that's the thing, you know. During this time, 
you could build your personal growth with God more in depth right now than you could when you were sitting inside the church. And, you know, that's what I try to do. What virtues can I show today in my walk to somebody else who does not know about Jesus? And, you know, it's just a great thing. So tell us how we can listen to Nashville today. Well, um, the the podcast, um, I, I kind of tailored the new podcast, and I have two of them. Main Street Today is the is the new version of Nashville Today, and it can be found on any place that you will get a podcast. And that has a lot of different kinds of stories, and uh, it, it's not just country music. It's all sorts of stories, and it's about places um, – you know, there's a whole network. So you go to SoundCloud or you go to Apple and you just put in the name Devin O'Day and it'll pop up, Main Street Today. And then the other one is all country music pretty much, and it's called Devin O'Day's Nashville. And every country artist or every artist that I interview for the podcast, I have a tendency, you know, it always becomes part of a testimony because I always think that that's the most important thing that you can ask an artist and they don't get asked that very often. Um, you know, a lot of media people won't ask that because, oh, nobody knows you to know that Jesus stuff, you know. Why would you ask that, you know. And you just can watch the lights pop on when they get to tell things. You know, one of my favorite questions is, where did you get baptized? And when they tell that story, Andrew, it's like they they just open up and they get kind of misty-eyed, and some of them, it's like, well, we used to go to this old rock quarry, and, well, my church had a, you know, one of those galvanized water troughs that horses use, you know, because that's what they use in cowboy church. But, I mean, it's just the sweetest story when they start talking about the day that they got baptized and or the day that they found Jesus, you know. Really cool. And, and, you know, we shouldn't be ashamed to ask that kind of stuff. You know, I've been told, and I'm not afraid to say it, by different PR companies and different genres of music not to ask anything about religion. And, you know, I don't believe that that's their right to tell us what not to ask, you know. (laughs) But, I mean, the only – I, I am I'm so with you on that. The only time I think that they can do is if, if for instance, an artist has a question that they just don't want to shot that that would maybe trigger a heartbreak or something. Like if they've lost a child or something, don't ask about this. If you can respect that, that's one thing. That's the only thing that I do. But I mean, to ask about faith and to ask about that, most of them are just clamoring to get a chance to to tell people about that. And, and you know, we should be more out to ask that question than any other question that we've ever, ever asked. So, you know, and, and, you know, I think, you know what, I think more people that follow the Christian music industry would then follow the country industry as well because they'd find that artist that has that Jesus story that they wanted to hear. Yep, exactly right. Exactly right. Well, Devin, it has been an honor having you on my program today. I so appreciate you, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Well, I appreciate you so much. Now, how do I 
get to hear your show. I will send you a link. It's going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, all of that kind of stuff. So, Oh, just like mine. So we get to put your name in the search bar, and it'll pop up just like Devin O'Day's Nashville and Main Street today. I gotcha. Absolutely. So I appreciate you, and thank you so much for doing this interview with me. I have been inspired. Oh, bless you. Well, you've inspired me right back, my friend. Have a beautiful, blessed day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye.